The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. to hear from you. The world is waiting. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. You're a rotten mean father. You'll never give me anything I want. I won't go to school till I have it. Violet. Call it, mother. Open it, Charlie. Let's see that golden ticket. Wouldn't that be fantastic? It's not fair to raise his hopes. Never mind. Go on, open it, Charlie. I want to see that gold. Stop it, Dad. I've got the same chance as anybody else, haven't I? I never dreamed that I would climb over the moon in ecstasy, but nevertheless, it's there that I'm shortly about to be. Because I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden chance to make my way. And with a golden ticket, it's a golden day. I'm so glad you could come. This is going to be such an exciting day. Ah! Little surprises around every corner, but nothing dangerous. Don't be alone. Ah! <laughs> There's no earthly way of knowing <laughs> He's singing. which direction we are going. Exactly. Who's to blame? 
Hi guys, welcome back to the Tragedy Cinema Podcast. I'm your host Jimbo. And I'm Kyle. Kyle? Kyle. The Candyman. The Candyman. With a K. The man eats a lot of candy. Alright Kyle, uh, this is uh, going to be a fun episode, probably a little bit longer episode. We're going to be talking about the great Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from 1975. 70 fun. The definitive uh, Willy Wonka. Starry, starring none other than the legendary Gene Wilder, um, one of my favorite actors of all time. But Kyle, before we get started... Mm-hmm. Kyle, question? I do. You do? I do. You do. And it's a sweet question. Ooh. Kyle, what do you consider the top three candies of all time? Oh. Okay, so you said the top three candies. All right. So number Your one. Your personal. Yeah, personal favorite. That's what I'm going to yes. top. Personal favorite. Um, number one was Charlie Rancher Bites. I love them to death. They're my favorite candy. That's number Hard one. Candy. That's number one. Of all time? Love it. Love it. Favorite candy ever. That wasn't even considered a candy. candy in 1971, Kyle. You didn't ask me my favorite candies from the 1970s. You asked me my favorite candies were. Jeez, I bet what is number two, the little uh, sucker rings you could get and put on your finger like a pacifier? Those are pretty cool, but I didn't break <laughs> for them. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, number two, Reese's Pieces. Um, pretty definitive. And then number three are uh, the, the, the Jolly Rancher Jolly Beans. Uh, yeah, Jolly Rancher Jolly Beans. Yeah. That's the top three candies. Them Starburst Jelly Beans are pretty good, too. Starburst Jelly Beans are actually pretty great, too. And some, sometimes they flip, honestly. like <laughs> Their quality varies sometimes where one's better than the other. Okay. Jimbo, what are the top three candies of all time for you personally? For me personally, number one, out the gate, no questions. And I can't believe you actually said it, too. But Reese Pieces. Mm. There's just something about that. And ever since E.T. ate them, they're good enough for me. Exactly. Uh, two, um, I really like the Nestle Crunch Bar. Ooh. It's just a regular chocolate little. It's not crispy. a bad choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't and, had Nesca Crunch Bar in years, and I used to like watch McCallits a lot too. Mm-hmm. No, seriously, the Watch McCallit Bar, not like I forgot Watch McCallit. You know, no, yeah, the, well, the Watch McCallit Bar. Yeah. I that's an honorable mention. I'm familiar with that candy. Bar, and then yes. probably the one uh, that I like too is um, the the chewy sweet tarts that are like the size of a silver dollar. Mm. The only thing is, man, you put that in there and you start chewing, you're either going to get uh, like a sugar rush, a headache, mm. a throat ache, all that yeah. stuff. That's so, the, that's it's the repercussions of those candies that kind of ruin it up. But a it's worth it. Times. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. worth it. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. Uh, you can write into us at the tragedy cinema, cinema at gmail.com and tell us what you think the best candy is. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Chocos take. I'm just a candy. Guy. It's chocolate section. Like, 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 it's like Butterfinger. Neither one of us said ice cream. Ice cream's also great, but also it's not like candy. It's a dessert. So, yeah. What about cotton candy? Where, where did you find the difference between dessert and candy? What about cotton candy? Do you consider that candy? Cotton candy. But I did say candy bar, though. Cotton candy is definitely candy in my mind. That's not dessert. I think a dessert is something you can be served in your home, and it's not weird that they made it at home. I didn't ask you know. about a dessert. I said candy bar. Yeah, yeah, but like saying like when you well, make I guess the, pieces like when candy. you let's okay. have a, let's have an hour long discussion about this. <laughs> <I was> gonna <laughs> say, this is, <laughs> that's another podcast. Tune in to catch up with Kyle this week to find out as he dies into the. It's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Maybe he it. Then it's all going to be food related for the rest of their life. <laughs> Do anything with that idea. Um, okay, moving forward. Moving forward, Kyle. Um, want me to take it over to the movie? Um, yeah, today we're covering Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Hence all the candy film questions. Released on June 30th of 1971. Um, follows the story of a poor but hopeful boy seeks one of the five coveted golden tickets that will send him on a tour of Willy Wonka's mysterious chocolate factory. 
Directed by Mel Stewart. Written by Ronald Dahl for the screenplay in the original book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Produced by Stan Margulis and David Walper. And cinematography was Arthur Ibbotson. And editor was David Saxon. The budget for the film was just $3 million. It's amazing That's how cheap. amazing. Uh, even with inflation, which would be about $22.6 million, like, it's amazing how cheaply movies were made back in the day, where now you hear about like half billion, half billion dollar movies made by Disney every other week, and it's like, this is insane. Um, $3 million is nothing for a movie, especially for what they accomplished in this movie, let alone. Um, so, yeah, that's absolutely insane. Um, unfortunately, though, it looks like this movie... Um, bombed hard actually which is very surprising because i would have i always thought this movie was a huge success financially well i so, think it it became successful as vhs and dvds and all I, that came out I, Absolutely. I, oh yeah this this movie definitely had to have a long tail for it just because for how iconic it is today so it definitely had a long tail to it so that's definitely a, a case yeah but opening weekend grossed only five hundred twenty six thousand dollars which adjusted for inflation is just under four million um for today's money which is like you know like you know, won't even cover your marketing expenses then, so the movie's in the hole at that point. And then gross worldwide was just $622,000, which is just about $4.7 million today. So overall, that's just like, whew, that's a lot of VHS sales to make up for that. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure other merchandising kind of opportunities too, because Willy Wonka's a name brand in itself as well. So that's uh, interesting. I had no idea this film was just like, Meh. Kind of bad bomb, but that's unfortunate. But you know, luckily, it's had a incredibly long tail, and they had that one uh, the, the Johnny Depp remake, and now they have that new Timothy Oliphant movie coming out. I think later this year or next year. Christmas this year. Christmas we? this year. Christmas this year. Yeah. So I don't know if that'd be good or not, but you know, it's cool to see the the brand alive. I guess. Yeah. Quick little plot summary of the film: The world is astounded with Willy Wonka. For years, a recluse in his factory announces five lucky people will be given a tour of his facility, showing all his secrets of amazing candy and one of the lifetime supply of chocolate of Wonka chocolate. Nobody wants the prize more than young Charlie, but his family is so poor that buying even one bar of chocolate is a treat. Buying enough bars to find one of the five golden tickets is highly unlikely. Um, but in movie land, magic can happen. Charlie, along with four somewhat odious other children, get the chance of a lifetime in a tour of the factory. Along the way, mild disasters befall the odious children, but but can Charlie beat the odds and grab the brass ring? Whoever wrote the plot summary there was a little bit odd. Grab well, the brass ring. Let me ask you a question, Kyle. Why yeah. did you give us two plot summaries? Um, because I want to have the very, very short one at the top and then a more detailed one at the end of it. Um, Good question. You yeah. forgot? No, <laughs> no, I didn't forget. I, I just wanted to. Do, I wanted to. Why not just combine them and make one big long one? Because I wanted to. I wanted to space them out a little bit. Don't judge. Don't judge space my technique. Like don't, don't cavities. Is that what you're saying? Don't respect the technique. I can't judge my cavities. I just have gaps there. The teeth are gone. So how would you have swam in the chocolate river? Would I have swam in the chocolate river? No, I don't think I would drink it. That just sounds very unsanitary to me. You know, the you know, if someone said this is the chocolate river, I would probably run away because I just assume that's not really. Even chocolate. after the Oompa Loompas were just dumping a. Buttloads of sugar in there. That makes it sound even worse. Like I just think like that's just great. Like, d- 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 no, I would never eat the chocolate river. I would probably eat something out of the chocolate forest. Don't get me wrong, but like chocolate river, I'm like, no, that's <laughs> someone did something to that water. The chocolate you know, forest, the, the candy forest, whatever, the candy wonderland of everything's edible in that world. That's cool. I would definitely eat something there, but the chocolate river, I'm definitely thinking like you know. Would you drink a glass of pool water? Absolutely not. A public pool of water, not just your pool of water. Oh, okay. Public pool of water is like, what happens in the Chocolate River? You don't want to know. That's, nah. I don't, what are the Oompa to doing in the Chocolate River? I have no idea. Do you want to know? No, you don't. <laughs> Fair enough. 
It's fair. Well, you, you're kind of feisty today. I am feisty. Punch, punch, one, two. I want to give you a Snickers bar. Exactly. Got to snap to a Slim Jim or something. <laughs> Slim Jim's Macho Man. Okay. <laughs> Plot digression. <laughs> Thoughts. Um, okay. Moving on to the awards. We have a no. Um, uh, uh, we have nominations. Um, another three wins. Um, we have uh, one for the 2018 film of ha- uh, Film Hall of Fame, where it was added to the Film Online Film and Television Association for Film Preservation. It was also in 2014 added to the National Film Preservation Board. And uh, oh my gosh, we have cutouts here. That's okay. Um, we have a nomination for Best Actor uh, Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. In uh, in 1971, and then in 19, uh, 1972, we have a nomination for the Oscar for Best Music Scoring Adaptation and Original Score for the original composer of the song, that being Leslie um, Bricuse, uh, Anthony Newley, and Walter Scharf. So there's a nomination for Best Music there, cool. And we also have a nomination for Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Comedy or Musical to Gene Wilder for the Golden Globes. And uh, finally, in 2012, it was nominated for the Best DVD Blu-ray Special Edition release for the 40th Anniversary Collection Edition, which you have a note on. We'll cover a little bit later. Cool stuff there. Technical details of the film. We have a runtime of just 100 minutes, so not too long, not too short. I like it a lot. Um, Having a really kind of a brisk pace to it, which is good. Sound Mix. The original release of this film was in mono audio, but it later got remastered to Dolby Digital in 1996. This is a Technicolor film, which gives it that beautiful kind of like almost pastel kind of color nature to it that really pops, and I find really um, great. Technicolor films always look amazing. Aspect ratio is 1.37 by 1 for the original and negative um, aspect ratio in the open mat, and the theatrical ratio was 1.85 by 1 in the matted ratio. The cameras used for the film were the Aeroflex 35 um, uh, 2C, and the Michelle and the Michelle BNCR cameras. Hmm. Film length for the film uh, was actually a whopping 2,447 meters in the Finland cut for the uncut version, and um, brought down to oh, that's for the uncut version, and also uh, 2,737 meters for a extreme cut version, I guess. Um, process was spherical, and then later received a 2021 remaster in 4K. That's what we watched. Uh, that's why I watched on Voodoo past week. That was you know, awesome to see. Go ahead. Um, the mm-hmm. colors in this was very vibrant. I mean, yeah. I mean, once you get inside the the chocolate, outside is kind of gloomy, but it kind of reminded me of like the old Technicolor days. When yeah, that's why it was originally Technicolor. That's yeah. why. Yeah. So we got that original Technicolor image. It looks really, really great and vibrant. And I think um, we're just kind of now getting to the point where. We're making TVs that really capture that vibrancy in a way that I really appreciate. Like, you know, it really, like, just the cinema was like, you could see the vibrant colors in that kind of scenario. And now we're just starting to get TVs that could really kind of bring that to the home in a really great way. So I appreciate it a lot. So this film looked amazing in the 4K remaster, yes, especially. I thought it was great. Um, filming locations. This film, actually, um, for the outside shots of Willy Wonka's factory, was actually filmed in Munich, Germany, including many of the shots of the, um, the actual the schooling, stuff like that, too, and on location for the most part. So for the school shots and the outside shots of the uh, factory, were sure in Munich, Germany there. Um, I can't. I might have in the notes later what the actual factory was originally intended for. I think that might be somewhere down in there. So we'll get to that later. Um, filming dates was filmed between August 31st, 1970 to November 19th in 1970. So pretty short. Um, well, not short, but, uh, not too extensive of a shooting time there. Now moving on, we're going to get to the cast where we of course have the legendary Gene Wilder spending as, uh, starting as a titular Willy Wonka of the film. 
And, of course, Gene Wilder. We have uh, covered many of his films in the past, including Blazing Saddles and Stir Crazy. Uh, Blazing Saddles in 74 and Stir Crazy in 1980. Young Frankenstein. And Young Frankenstein, 1974. You're right. Um, the Producers in 1967, which is tough to get on digital nowadays, but they still sell Blu-rays of it, which I own. I love the movie as well. Yeah, and then had that remake with uh, the uh, not, was it Matthew Broderick I think it was in the remake. Yeah, that's fine. Um, next up, we have Jack Albertson playing the character of Grandpa Joe. Um, Jack Albertson was also in films such as The Poseidon Adventure in 1972, the film of the uh, the crashed fictional crash boat cruise ship. Yeah, yeah, the legend movie in its own right. I need to sit down and watch it for the first mm-hmm. time. Actually, how about we cover that? We should, we could cover that movie. We could, Jim. It's on the list. On the list. And he also was in the Fox and the ha- uh, also was the, um, the 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 grumpy old man oh. voice. And the Fox and the Hound in 1981. That movie, yeah, that's one of the earliest memories I have watching film is the Fox and the Hound, actually. Next up, we have Peter Ostrom playing the role of Charlie. Um, This is basically his only real um, film role. He was also in the documentary for Remembering Gene Wilder. And um, he apparently was also a part of the um, soundtrack production for the film Sicko in 2007. Yeah, so that's all kind of Peter Ostrom did there, but still huge role to come in and go out on for sure. You know, so hope he's doing good in life. Next up, we have Roy Kinner playing Mr. Salt. Roy Kinner was also in the film Scrooge in 1970, the film Help in 1965, and Watership Down in 1978. You ever seen Watership Down, Kyle? Never have. Terrence and I covered that for our Mother's Day episode, I think way back, like episode five, and it is a cartoon. Uh, anime about uh, bunny rabbits, and it is violent. Oh my gosh, I think I've heard about this. Yeah. Like people mention it on YouTube because it's, it's, it's such a crazy concept. You need to of, check like, it out. Extreme violence. You bunnies, thought it was right? all pretty cool, and then all of a sudden it just takes a hard turn. And it is just like the saddest thing. Incredibly brutal. Yeah, okay. I I I am aware of this to some degree. I, I got to make time for that sometime because I bet it's crazy. Next up, we have Julia Don Cole playing the role of Verka Salt. Um, uh, Julie Don Cole is also in the show Dark for six episodes in 1975. Next up, we have Leonard Stone playing the girl, the Leonard Stone playing the role of Mr. Beauregard. Um, Leonard Stone was also in the film Swilling Green in 1973. It's made out of people. <laughs> and Once Upon a Spy, Once Upon a Spy in 1980. Then next up, we have Denise Nickerson playing the role of Violet Beauregard. Uh, Denise Nickerson was also in the show Dark Shadows from 1966 to a few years after that, in the final year there. And she was also in an episode of The Brady Bunch, which we just watched a little clip of. We did, we did. And she was in, uh, yeah, 71 episodes of The Dark Shadows. So that was her That was her show, anyways. Yeah, The Brady Bunch, though, I think it was just a, a, a guest star cameo, kind of yeah. yeah, guest star cameo thing, which is pretty cool in its own right. Next up, we have Nora Denny playing the character of Mrs. TV. Um, Nora, uh, Nora Denny was also in the film Splash with Tom Hanks in 1984. Yeah. And she was in the Truman TV movie in 1995. Not the Jim Carrey Truman show, but the um, Truman TV movie there. Next up, we have Paris Thiemann playing Mike TV. Um, Paris Thiemann, Thiemann, there we go, was also a voice actor for the short animated series um, uh, Macros Plus, which was like an anime show, and I guess he did the English voiceover for. Yeah. So that was the one only role, other role he did. Besides that, he's living his own life and not being that much of an actor. Um, not in a bad way or a good way, just being an adult. <laughs> Next up, we have Ursula Wright playing the character of Mrs. Gloop. Ursula was right. Was also in the film *The Devil's Female* in 1974, and another film that is a very, very uh, German, um, very, very uh, German-named movie that I cannot hope to pronounce. But he was also in *The Devil's Female* in 1974. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and give you a, a shot. 
Der um, two for Schuler. Yeah, that was pretty good. I don't know if you said it right, but it sounded yeah, good. It's it sounded like it sounded like maybe I got like seventy five percent of the way there. You, That's what we're saying. You sounded like uh, who's that guy that uh, Phineas and Ferb are always like Doctor Doofenshmirtz or whatever. <laughs> Doofenshmirtz. <laughs> They poop and fart, and I don't know. <laughs> poop and fart. <laughs> That's what Oh, Lordy. Oh, gosh. Okay, next up, Michael Bolner playing the role of Augustus Gloop. Michael Barner was also in the... Uh, oh, Michael Bolner, this is his only role, uh, the film role that I could find, um, but also for his IMD page, it mentions that he was in the, uh, the 1999 game Mugen, which is a freeware fighting game um, that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, he that uh, is uh, basically anybody can put a fighting game character in there, and I guess at some point they added um, all the characters from Charlie and Chocolate Factory movie, or Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory movie, and including Nora Denny's also in there as well in the Mujin fighting game where they can fight each other. I'm assuming so that's weird, and I guess they included voice lines from the movie probably, and that's why he gets an IMDb credit <laughs> for Mujin, which is ridiculous. Um, he also appeared in the um, one episode in the show after they were famous, which is a show that goes back and looks at child actors that huh. were actually watched for. But apparently he was in one episode of that, which cool, good for him. Next up we have Diana Soul playing the character of Mrs. Bucket. Diana Soul was also in the film Clear and Present Danger in 1994 and the film Guarding Tess in the same year, 1994. Next up, we have Audrey Woods playing the character of Bill. Um, Aubrey Woods um, was also in the film The Abominable Dr. Phoebes in 1971 and Wuthering Heights in 1970. Next up, we have David Bra- uh, Baddeley playing Mr. Turkenton, um, Turkentine. Yeah, he was a school teacher. Yep. Yeah, that's right. I had to uh, repronounce it a few times to make sure I got it right there. Turkentine. Um, Turkentine. Yeah. Yep. No. David Batley um, was also in the film's Kroll in 1983, that sci-fi movie, and the film Hotel Paradiso in 1966. Then next up, we have Gunter Meisner playing the character of Mr. Slugworth as uh, yeah, you know, as Grunt Meiser. Grunt Meiser was also in the film The Boys from Brazil in 1973 and the film one, two, three in 1961. Four, five, six, the sequel? Exactly right, yeah. <laughs> Peter King. And then the third one, seven, eight, nine. That's yeah. a scary one. It's <laughs> 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 the Chimbo, swear. Peter Capel was playing the role of the Tinker. Uh, Peter Capel was also in the film Paths of Glory in 1957. Then we have Winner High King playing the character of Mr. Joe Peck. Winner High King was also in the film Bloody Friday in 1972. Then uh, we have um, um, Franziska Leiberg playing the character of Grandpa, um, Grandma Josephine. And that's the cast list for the film, but I'm also going to name off all the Oompa Loompas in the film there. I can find the cast. Make sure I get all that right. Okay, yeah, that's the whole cast for it. So, um, starting with the Oompa Loompas here, we have... Uh, uh, we oh uh, oh my gosh, lost my place here for a second. Okay, we have Dora Altman. Oh no, uh, Dora Altman is last of the cast actually for Grandma Gorgina. Sorry, I didn't I didn't write that one down there. So Grandma Gorgina was played by Dora. Well, Altman. It's, it's like I was telling Kyle earlier. If you first time I noticed this in this movie is like all the husband and wives are like Joe and Josephine, mm-hmm. George and Georgie Georgetta or whatever. Joe, yeah, yeah, Joe and Josephine or whatever. So it's pretty interesting there too. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, pretty fun little quality. It's like 
I, I think I, there were some studies about that too. It's like even like my biological parents name like Kevin and Karen. You know, the only thing was like it's just similar names. People marry themselves with similar names, which is weird. Um, but yeah, kind of cool too. But all the Oompa Loompas starting now. Uh, we have Rudy Bar- Borgstaller, George Clayton, Michael Dixon, Malcolm Dixon, sorry, Rusty Goff, um, Ismed Hassan, Norman McLean, Angelo Musket, Peppy Poppy. Marcus Powell and Albert Wilkerson were all the roles for the Oompa Loompas as we see in the film. Would you yeah. believe that's and uh, a, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? And ten. one of them is a female. There's only one, so I don't know if it's Peppy or not. Uh, oh well, no, it's probably the girl's name above that that you read. Uh, oh, An- An- Angelo Angelo Muscat. Yeah, yep. The girl Oompa Loompa, and that includes the cast of Willy Wonka. Jimbo, I bet you have a ton of notes about this film. Of course. A metric ton of, of notes. A chocolate load of notes. A chocolate uh, river of notes. I have an everlasting gobstopper of full notes. of notes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, uh, here we go. You ready, Kyle? I am ready, Jimbo. How good was Gene Wilder in this movie? He's perfect. This is his definitive role. He's just a great actor. This, okay. is, this is the role. All right, here we go. I, I appreciate it. So, the combination to the first door in the chocolate factory is 99 and 4400% pure, which was an ad slogan for ivory soap products. <laughs> the absurdity of this film is so good. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this is the only film, as Kyle said, of Peter Ostrom, who played Charlie Bucket. Ostrom turned down David L. Whopper's offer for a three-movie contract because he wanted to keep his options open. After feeling underwhelmed at the premiere, he bought a horse, which led him to later becoming a veterinarian. Ostrom only tried to return to acting once when he auditioned to play Alan Strang after Peter Firth left Broadway production of Equus in 1975. As of 2013... Julie Don Cole, who played Veruca Salt, is the only one of the child actors who is still acting. Oh, wow. Peter Osher, so he became a veterinarian. That's awesome. Good for him. Yeah. Got a horse, got a vet. Yeah. Denise Nickerson, who played, of course, Violet, and Julie Don Cole, who played Veruca, both had a crush on Peter Ostrom and had kind of a love triangle going on during the production, with Denise and Julie competing each day to sit next to the boy star. <laughs> During filming, the girls would alternate days over which one would spend time with Ostrom. Bob Rowe, the son of the first assistant director, Jack Rowe, was also an object of attraction for the two. On the day they didn't get to spend time with Peter, they would spend time with with Rowe. That's hilarious. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Julie Don Cole played Veruca, uh, ironically hated chocolate. In one scene, she smashes open a pumpkin that was made of polyesterine and was filled with chocolate and was required to eat it. Oh, gosh. She just looked disgusted. It's like, ah, chocolate. Oh, oh my God. Not Summer, chocolate. Not chocolate. No, anything about the chocolate. I mean, it's not like it's mustard. I mean, that'd be disgusting. But chocolate? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, kale, also, just the length of her kale. hair becomes progressively shorter throughout the movie as the filmmakers kept burning off Julie Cole's dead split ends. So. <laughs> When Willy Wonka drinks from a flower-shaped cup and then eats the cup, the cup itself was made of wax. Gene Wilder had to chew the wax pieces until the end of the take, at which point he spat it out. Oh, God, it's disgusting. You ever had those, uh, the candy that's like the uh, different covered flavored drinks, you know, that you could bite? They're they're wax, but you bite it off and you can drink it out. 
You know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, no. Uh, actually, no, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I've had wax in my mouth before, so I know what that tastes like. <laughs> I was young, and I thought the candy sm- I thought the candle smelled good, and no one was there to stop me from trying to just dig out the wax for it, too. I think it was actually like a lotion-themed wax, too, something like that, too. So it was just a lotion <laughs> so wax. I rub it all over your body, too. Exactly. Uh, but I just put it in my mouth and didn't have the disgusting feeling of, like, this isn't candy at all, and spat it back out. You know, wow. kids are dumb. <laughs> The reactions of the actors and actresses in some of these scenes are spontaneous, such as the following. The scene in which Hoogie Wonka limps out of his factory to uh, greet the golden ticket winners, everyone's reaction was genuine. And that is actually one thing that uh, when Gene Wilder went into audition for, he said, I, uh, you know, I'll do this, but there's one condition if I take this job. I want Willy Wonka to be able to limp out of the factory uh, mm-hmm. just so... Everything is not what it seems. Yeah, and that was his make you break thing too. Like they really asked him, like, "Would you not do the role?" And that flippy that does is awesome. Oh yeah, the flippy does is right. Yeah, yeah. But he, but even the director asked him, was like, "If we don't do this, you won't do the film." He's like, "Absolutely not. I will not do the film if you don't put it in the film." Which is like insane. Well, well, even before he auditioned, the guy looked up and said, uh, "When he walked in the room, he said, that's my Willy Wonka.'" Yeah. And I guess by the time Gene Wilder left and ran down. Or and was walking down to the elevators. He ran after him and said, "Hey, this is you. You are Willy Wonka." So that's pretty cool. Awesome. Also, when the children first enter the chocolate room and see the candy garden, the reactions are genuine. Can you imagine opening up that door and hey, you can eat anything you want in here? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, also, the tunnel scene where they're on the boat. The uh, actors' reactions of Wonka singing were genuine. Uh, Peter Ostrom, Jack Albertson, and Denise Nickerson were all terrified and thought Gene Wilder had gone into the psychotic meltdown. <laughs> In the scene where Wonka is screaming at Charlie and Grandpa Joe, Ostrom and Albertson's reactions are real. Wilder actually wanted to tell Ostrom beforehand, but Peter, uh, or sorry, but director Mel Stewart advised strongly against it so as not to ruin the illusion of surprise. Yeah, there's yeah, just Wilder just seems like a like a, a jovial sense of madness at this yeah. film. You know, that was very intentional from the get go. But gosh, uh, the film was originally financed by the Quaker Oats Company which hoped to tie uh, it to a new candy bar it intended to bring on the market. When the film was released, the company began marketing its Wonka chocolate bars. Unfortunately, an error in the chocolate formula uh, caused the bars to melt too easily, even while on the shelf, and so they were taken off the market. Quaker sold the brand to St. Louis-based Sunline Incorporated, which later became part of the Nestle via Rondry. Not long after this, or not long after this is when they did uh, they were uh, able to make the brand a success and Wonka brand candy, most of it, which isn't chocolate-based, was available in the U.S. until the 2010s. Although the novel on which the movie was based was called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the movie was renamed to promote the candy tie-in. Oh, so that's the only reason that Willy Wonka has the titular you know, role now. Right. Yeah. Uh, the opening credits uh, sequence was filmed at the Tobel, uh, Toblerone Chocolate Factory in Switzerland. Toblerones! Love those candy bars. They're great. They weren't in your top three. Uh, Unlike the other interview scenes, Augustus Loop interview was filmed at a real restaurant in Munich. Most of the cast members uh, went there for lunch during the time uh, the movie was being filmed. The restaurant is called Hoferbrockler and was completely rebuilt after a fire destroyed in the late 1980s. Oh, sad. You can't go there today. Uh, Well, Hmm. if they rebuild it, you can. Yeah, that's what they said. They made the tent Titanic. You right. You they said they rebuilt it. Oh, they did rebuild it. Oh. Are you not listening? No, no. Oh, okay. No. Where am I? Well, Who is this? Yeah. Where's oh, my horse? Lord. 
Uh, the little scene where Charlie and his mom, uh, before the Cheer Up Charlie song, was filmed at 1 o'clock in the morning. Wow. That's mm-hmm. tough schedule for you. Yeah. I thought, like, child labor laws would be in effect by the 1970s, right? Maybe? Probably. Should yeah. be. <laughs> if you'd hope so. I'll look it up. Most of the small walk-on parts in this movie were played by the German people. In the scene where Wonka does his little somersault, one of the bricks he sticks his cane into was made of styrofoam. Oh, the... the the what part? Where he sticks his cane. Oh, that, the, the brick there. Yeah, that's yeah. what stuck in there. Oh, that's neat. I, I wouldn't think Starfall would be strong enough to support the cane. I think it would fall over still. Still cool. Uh, child actor labor laws when they went into effect. I'm looking at that now. The bees that were used in the gum machine were actually wasp. Uh, Paris Thiemann, a notorious troublemaker on the set, apparently released them from their bell jar and was stung in the face as a result. Here you go, Kyle. The final Oompa Loompa song took... How many takes do you think it took to get the final Oompa Loompa song? The final Oompa Loompa song. Uh, how many? Uh, more than five. Oh, yeah. Less than 100. Yes. Um, more than 10. Yes. Less than 30. No. No. Okay. Don't even worry, Jimbo. 50. 50. Jeez. Cooking law. Several actors were offered the role of Wonka before Gene Wilder. Joel Gray was the first choice for the role of Wonka, but was not considered physically imposing enough. Ron, uh, Roald Dahl's original choice to play Willy Wonka was Spike Milligan. Peter Sellers was desperate to play the role and even begged Dahl for approval. The role was offered to Ron Moody, who declined it. John Pertwee had to turn down the role because he was in the tight schedule of Doctor Who at the time. Sidney James and Kenneth Williams showed interest in the role. Frankie Howard was offered the role, but scheduling conflicts with Up Pompeii and the Chastity Belt forced him to turn down the role. Dudley Moore, Peter Cook, and Michael Crawford were also uh, considered for the role. All six performing members of the Monty Python, Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Eric Idle, Terry Govan, Terry Jones, and Michael Palin, had expressed interest in playing the role, but they were deemed not big enough names for an international audience. Hmm. Well, let's see. I'm looking it up here in the original bill for the called the Coogan Law about um, denying uh, a child star from their from their family's um, earnings from a film. That now that now the Coogan Law requires that you, like they withhold like 15 percent to make sure they can pay the actors the actor actual actor later. But I don't see that about the labor laws, especially like how long they're allowed to work each night. So working till 1 a.m. I don't know. See, I thought there were laws against that today. Maybe there isn't. I don't know. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim Backus was the original choice for Mr. Salt, but he was considered too recognizable a figure. Brian Murphy was also approached for the role. Backus and Roy Kinner, uh, Kinner, who got the role of Mr. Salt, both appeared in British television shows, A Man About the House, and it's been off George and Mildred. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, here's this part where it's talking about Wilder, uh, that he would take the role in one condition. Uh, about limping he said this somersault in the scene where he first meets the children when director Mel Stewart asked why Wilder replied that having Wonka do this meant that from that time on no one will know if I'm lying or telling the truth Stewart asked if I say no you won't do the picture and Wilder said I'm afraid that's the truth (laughs) crazy crazy Uh, during the Wonka car wash scene the foam used to sprout out was uh, compiled from basic fire extinguishers but what was unknown to the cast and crew at the time was that the foam itself was a potent uh, skin irritant. Yeah, so they covered him up and just like had like terrible rashes and something like that too, I believe. Yeah. Like, absolutely awful. Oh my gosh. Uh, Gene Stapleton was the first choice to play Mike TV's mother, but turned down the part in favor of doing a television series pilot instead. The series ended up being All in the Family. 
I think that worked out for it. That's probably the right choice. Those were the days. <laughs> should I go to a? Should I sign up for this movie that will definitely bomb, or should I go to an incredibly successful TV show? Uh, Roald Dahl was reportedly so angry with the treatment of his book, mainly uh, slamming or uh, steaming from the massive rewrite by David Selter, that he refused permission for the book sequel Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator to be filmed. Seltzer had an ideal for a new sequel, but legal issues meant that it never got off the ground. Reportedly, Dahl was so unhappy that he refused to ever watch the completed film in its entirety. Once, while staying in a hotel, he accidentally tuned into a television airing of the movie, but reportedly changed the channel immediately when he realized what he was watching. <laughs> Funnily enough, behind-the-scenes footage on the DVD shows him looking happily when visiting the set, and he even attended the premiere. Julie Don Cole commented on 2011 on these events, remembers him being as a large, scary man. Large, scary man. Jeez. I can definitely understand being like, you know, you want to be protective of your work because that's your baby at the end of the day, but simultaneously you got to be but kind of more cooperative. You, you'll with find out. Um, basically, you remember the... Um, Oh, well, we'll get there. I don't, I don't want to... Not yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's see. The movie was shot in Munich, Germany, but the producers uh, had to go outside of Germany to recruit enough uh, little people to play the Oompa Loompas. Many of the people cast as Oompa Loompas, German or otherwise, did not speak English fluently, if at all. This is why some appear to not know the words to songs during the musical numbers. <laughs> Just look around confused. Yeah, <laughs> Oompa Loompa. Yeah, sure, I can say Oompa Loompa. That's okay. I think Oompa Loompa has a co-host no sometime. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't know what he's doing either. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mike TV's father's line, Not Till You're 12, son, took over 40 takes to film. <laughs> what? Not to get your first gun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like they just keep chuckling every time they say, I guess, your 12, I, son. Did did you notice the um the last name T V? Yes, I did. And Mike likes T V. I thought that was it pretty was funny. Dumb, but funny. Uh, the face in the psychedelic tunnel movie is that of uh, Walton Green, friend of Mel Stewart and screenwriter of the Wild Bunch. According to Stewart's member our memoirs, Green is the only person who had agreed to let a millipede crawl on his face for the sake of a children's film. I just can't wait for the next reboot they do in like ten or twenty years, where it's like, like his name is like Ed- Edward Video Game. <laughs> really, Edward Game Ver? <laughs> that's 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 the cutting commentary there. <laughs> Gamey over. Gamey over. Yeah, the Game Boy. Rocky <laughs> uh, Ruka Salt's uh, name also spelled Ruka or Ruka, uh, different spellings. As a medical term for a wart, usually found on the foot and caused by a virus. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's see. The scene of Violet Bullgard's demise where she swells up into a blueberry was done in only two takes. Take one was pumping air into an inflatable suit, and take two involved stuffing Denise Nickerson into a two-piece styrofoam cutout. <laughs> when rolling Denise around in her blueberry suit, the Oompa Loompas had a hard time controlling the rolling the actress and would send her crashing into the wall several times. <laughs> Prompting Denise to say in the DVD commentary that the Oompa Loompas didn't have their blueberry driver's license. At the time, the development of color layering was a process. Um, Further development of the color layering was perfected by the time Star Wars Episode IV, A New Hope, was released. It was ready to use for the make the lightsaber concept look good. (laughs) That's ridiculous. I mean, that's, yeah. As I was saying about all the facts of this film, that's ridiculous. (laughs) 
Put the recording on loop every 15 seconds so you get a cadence going. <laughs> uh, actually, Kyle left about two hours ago. Yeah, he just said, That's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, even though the film didn't do well at the box office, surprisingly, when it was released to home video, it gained more attention. This was one of the more popular movies for rentals by the time the rental industry took off in the 80s. Mm-hmm. All these Hollywood videos just full stacked up. Willy Wonka tapes. Yeah. Uh, the scene of Mike's downfall was difficult to film. When seen far away in the television, it was accompanied through blue screen. While seen in the television from close up, Paris Thiemann, who played Mike, was standing on a platform on a huge television set. The shot where Mrs. TV picks him up was a doll, and the single shot where we see a close up of Mike dangling from his mom's fingers at around the 1 hour and 30 minute mark was accompanied by having Paris dangle from a styrofoam thumb and forefinger covered with fabric. Impressive work there. Yeah, I wonder if like how much this film like like I wonder if like there's a point where it's like because of the fuzziness of a CRTV and a VHS tape just made this film like look all the better just because it's all like all washed and like Vaseline basically like that. Probably. So it's like it just kind of has this whole like moving pastel paint to it that probably gives it even more life. You know, that's the weird part. Was like you want higher definition all the time, but sometimes the worst picture quality is actually the better one because it allows your imagination to fly. Yeah. And the same Willy Wonka angrily reads to Charlie and Grandpa uh, Joe the contract out loud. He reads two lines in Latin. Fox mentis in sedium gloria culpum, which translate to the torch of the mind lights the path to glory. And mimo bis punitor delicatum, which translate to no one can be twice punished for the same offense. Hmm. <coughs> so. Okay. <laughs> uh, during the pure imagination song. Willy Wonka whips his cane around here and there and everywhere to stop the crowd in place during various points. At around 53 minutes in the DVD commentary, Paris Thiemann, who played Mike TV, stated that during one of the takes as Gene Wilde was whipping his cane around, he accidentally whacked Thiemann in his memoir, I Want It Now, or in her memoir. Uh, Julie Donko, who played Ruka Salt, mentioned that she was also accidentally whacked by the cane a couple of times. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, I don't think it's accidental. He just thinks, whack. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he probably just kept on going. Finished it. Probably the uh, same word, yeah. If you, the 30th anniversary DVD release of the movie, uh, the audio commentary is done by all five of the child actor stars, which is awesome. Uh, let's see here. When uh, whenever a scene was filmed inside the Bucket's house, Ernst Ziegler, who played Grandpa George, would take off his shoes and tuck them under the set before crawling uh, in the bed to film the scenes. When it came time to film the portion of the I've Got a Golden Ticket song that involved Grandpa Joe and Charlie looking under the bed, director Mel Stewart wanted to move Ziegler's shoes out of the way to film the scene. But Ziegler protested vehemently as he was afraid they would take his shoes away. And he valued those shoes very much, though. Why? Because they were his only remaining possession from before World War II. Oh Eventually, gosh. Stewart was able to convince Ziegler to allow them to move the shoes uh, to film this scene. Jeez. Okay. That is a very real part of the story. I didn't redact the deduction. So, yeah. very interesting. Okay, cool. Well, uh, contrary to popular belief, Fred Astaire was never considered to play Willy Wonka. Oh. Well, giving interviews as part of the 40th, 40th anniversary, so we had a 30th anniversary. This is not the 40th anniversary of the theatrical release. Denise uh, Nickerson mentioned that because of all the gums she had, chew as, uh, had to chew as violet, she ended up with 13 cavities. The reason is that although sugarless gum was around in the early 70s, the formula was a bit different than that of modern sugarless gums and didn't make very good bubbles. So Denise was stuck chewing regular sugared gum. 
Oh, the whole time. Oh, wow. Just ruined her teeth that way. Yep. Yeah. Cool. That's bad. Cool. But cool. <laughs> According to Mel Stewart's book, Pure Imagination, The Making of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the reason everything in Willy Wonka's office is cut in half was that Stewart couldn't bear the thought of having gone through all the whimsical and creative rooms in the factory, ending the movie in an ordinary office. Everything was cut in half to make the room more Willy Wonka escape. That's a quick fix, I guess, and it works. Yeah. Yep. So. Impressive. According to the director Melster, did I just read that? No, possibly did. I don't know. No, okay, uh, did. same, but it's the same start. Uh, yeah, pure imagination. The what making well, Gene Wilder walked into a dish room. He, this is where he says, "Hey, you're Willy Wonka." Boom. Um, but the only problem was that um, well, he told him you're doing this picture. There's no two ways about it. you are Willy Wonka. Producer David Walper, however, was furious when he found out because he hadn't yet the chance to negotiate a fee. Hmm. How, how rude. It'd be fine. Uh, Denise out. Nickerson had a violet experience in real life. Uh, one day she swelled up to a blueberry? One day while she was in math class, kids started pointing at her and laughing, and one of her friends told her she was turning purple. The makeup that they had been used on her for filming had apparently seeped into her pores and started to resurface, which she jokingly remarks prevented her from getting any dates at that school. Oh, that's terrible. Kids are cruel. Kids are cruel. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Peter Ostrom said in the DVD commentary that he and Jack Albertson were very excited to do the fizzy lifting drink scenes, thinking it would be a lot of fun, but that wasn't the case. Due to the metal surrounding them being rather sharp and harnessed being extremely tight in the crotch area, Albertson joked that the music from uh, the Nutcracker should have been playing in the background of the scene. <laughs> I bet. No, that's yeah. No. Do, do, do. That's a lot of stories. I'm really just Elba and like Thor too. Was just like I hated being like you're just being hung for a wire for eight hours or at four hours a day. Just like oh gosh, terrible. The walk Tanya was on a track in the Chocolate River, but the actor playing the Oompa Loompa at the helm thought he was actually steering the boat. For the sake of believ- believability, director Mel Stewart didn't have the truth, the heart to tell him the truth. Uh, Julie Don Cole, Veruca, explained in her memoir, I want it now, that the mic- mixing bike in the inventing room was initially meant to be pedaled by an Oompa Loompa. When it came time to film the scene, however, it was discovered that none of the Oompa Loompa's actors' legs were long enough to reach the pedals. So the filmmaker came up with a creative solution. Gene Wilder would do the pedaling instead while singing Sweet Lover's Love the Springtime. <laughs> Well, it worked out. Yeah, yeah. You would think they would design the boat to accommodate Not the boat, an the, the, the exercise bike. Oh, the exercise bike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you still, you would think. <laughs> uh, you're going to do it that way. Maybe you need to. Pre- okay, right. Whatever. Gene actors acting during the boat ride sequence was so convincing that it frightened some of the actor, other actors and actresses, including Denise Rickard, uh, Nickerson. They thought that water really was going mad from being in the tunnel. During the construction of Willie's Wonka's office, it was everything was cut in half. One of the prop men accidentally sawed in half a non-prop coffee pot that someone had put in the work area. <laughs> Only when coffee began spilling out did he realize that that was a mistake. <laughs> Whoops. Happens to the best of us. No, no, I said half and half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Got him. Uh... Peter uh, Ostrom mentions that towards the end of the shoot, with him being the only kid left, he and Gene Wilder often ate lunch together. Fittingly, they finished those lunches by sharing a chocolate bar for dessert as they walked back to the set. Aww. Adorable. Good for them. The Chocolate River was made from 150,000 gallons of water, uh, real chocolate, and cream. 
The filmmakers had to change the formula for the Chocolate River because originally the concoction they were using turned blood red. Because of the cream, the mixture began to spoil, and by the end of filming, it smelled terrible. Oh, gosh. Uh, Michael Bollinger, who played Augustus Gloop, later described it as dirty, stinky water. Yeah, no. Say that. I wouldn't drink it. (laughs) Yeah, you would. No. (laughs) Um, Violet's blueberry scene was shot in the middle of the day, leaving a time frame in between takes for lunch. She had to stay in her blueberry costume for that duration, had to be turned over several times to keep proper blood circulation. Hey, that's a that's a that's a cut for break. Uh, yeah. We'll be back. Violet, just hang you tight. Just stay there. You you roll, you roll around. You roll around a little bit. I Put her in a pinball machine. Plus, Oopa Loopas, I'd be pushing her around. That'd be yeah. funny. All right. Uh, in the scene where the tour first enters the Chocolate River Room, Julie Don Cole did not know that the rock that she used to crack the large piece of candy open was real, and she dropped down onto it, injuring her knee. If you look carefully, you can see uh, her left stocking has blood on it. She still has a scar on her knee from the injury. Oh, wow. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. uh, in the DVD commentary, Michael Bollinger, Augustus Gloop, had a difficult time playing the restaurant scene because he has required to eat, uh, was required to eat knockwurst, which he did not like. Oh, yeah. So and they do them little takes, too. you got to keep eating, just shoveling the food in your face, too. That sucks, too. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Julie Don Cole... Uh, Veruca admits in the commentary that she actually kept her everlasting cop stopper and her golden ticket from the set. Peter Ostrom said he returned the golden ticket because he was told to. Among other props that Cole kept from the film was a scrumptiliumptious bar and a Willy Wonka bar. A golden egg was presented to her as a gift on the day she shot the golden geese room scene, which was on her 13th birthday. She held on to the golden egg for many years until it spoiled and inevitably had to discard it. She also sold her everlasting gobstopper around the time that Tim Burton remake came out for an undisclosed amount. How much do you think it went for? Uh, gosh, I'm gonna say around ten grand. Actually, that's what I'm gonna say. That's what, gonna, what, what do you think it would be worth? If it was the height of the time, Johnny Depp's new movie is coming out. If you want to sell it, how much do you think you're trying 50, to ask 000, for? It? Fifty thousand. What? Okay. <laughs> To this day, she still has a scrumdiddlyumptious bar and a Wonka bar. Her golden ticket is on display in Sweet Pete's Candy Store in Jacksonville, Florida. Road trip, Kyle. Let's go right now. <laughs> Drop her all right, we'll be back. Yeah, we'll be back. <laughs> uh, the scene outside Wonka's factory was the first day of filming for all the child actors and actresses except uh, Charlie's. Uh, Violet didn't want to do the nose picking bit. She had a crush on Peter, who played Charlie, and didn't want to embarrass herself. Do you remember that with her on the boat? If you yeah. look in the background, she's. Going to town. Going to town out there. Yep. Rooting for treasure. Dipping it in chocolate. And, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Odious kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mel Stewart initially wanted to reveal that Willy Wonka had strategically placed the golden tickets in order to give the factory to Charlie. The idea was dropped, but the hints remained the fact that Mr. Wilkinson, acting as Slugworth, conveniently showed up every time a ticket was uncovered. Oh, yes. Which, how would you? How would they know that? How Unless... Would Slug- well, that's what I'm saying. How yeah. was Slugworth known that? So yeah, you, Slugworth couldn't were, possibly know. A kid wouldn't. Yeah, well, a kid wouldn't realize that, of course. And of course, and if you're watching the film, you're not thinking about that in the moment, too. Probably most kids don't think about no, that. No, but I'm moment, just saying yeah. it's amazing that he was always there when that ticking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But since since the end of the film, it's revealed like, oh yeah, Mr. Slugworth actually uh, Mr. Something else. I forgot his name. Beauregard. Wilkinson. Oh, Wilkinson. Thank you. You know, then it's like, oh, okay, so you knew where the tickets were all the time, since that's where you knew where to go and get the tickets to people. Yeah. The scene in which Ver- uh, Veruca was running around the egg room was done in 39 takes. 
Everything had to be stacked and reset. Hmm. Wow. 39 takes. Just go in there and just start flipping stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. The crowd outside the Willy Wonka factory, you could see a crowd member on screen left holding a large professional motion picture camera. There are shots in the movie of the crowd and the chosen families coming forward of the Slugworth and the Slugworth figure, which were made by that camera. Hmm. Impressive stuff. Despite all the chocolate bars being practically designed for the movie in abundance, very few relics and props of the film survived. Mel Stewart explained the regret of not keeping many of the props as they would be considerably highly valuable these days, saying at the time of the production on a film, no one really knew just how successful it was going to be. And wasn't to a degree. Like, right. like you got the cult following that now makes it a billion, you know, a million dollar brand or something like that too. So yeah. Uh, though, not, though not seeing Queen Elizabeth II is mentioned by an auctioneer during the scene where bidders are attempting to buy the last supply of August Bar on British, as he says, "Your, Your Majesty." Alert. Unlike the other children who lived in different cities or continents, Charlie's only lived a few streets away from the Wonka factory, which makes me think that I'm sure Wonka probably spied on him a little bit. Do you think? I think he spied on probably all the kids. He wanted That's why I mean, so they knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it makes sense that the kids would get the tickets that he won. Mm. Yeah, I think Ronald Dahl definitely just... <laughs> <laughs> just trying to be like, what do I hate about Americans? What do I hate about these people? What do I hate about these people? And then made, you know, I think Ronald was kind of like stereotyping people in a way, yeah. <laughs> in a way. So that's what technically Wonka was too. Technically, Veruca Salt was the only child that did not find a golden ticket. She bullied her father to get her staff to look for one. Plus, she was the only one who was not hounded by the press or other people too. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! I'm really like, they, I think they only gave like the lady who found the ticket for like an extra day's pay or something. Like no, that it's, it's uh, we'll talk about it. I think it's a, a pence or a, a pound. A pound more, which back then I think was two dollars and fifty cents U.S. dollars. Oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, Gloria Manon, the actress who played the wife of the hostage sequence whose husband Errol is being held hostage for her Wonka bars, which is one of the funniest things in the movie. And they're like, she's like, "What's their demands, ma'am? They want your case of Wonka bars, ma'am." How much time do I have? <laughs> <laughs> got to consider it. Got to think oh, about it. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. But she was also played the reporter who interviews Mike TV. She's slightly off camera, but it has one line directed towards Mike. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it reminds me of like the, um, the, the, like the TV ads in Robocop that were so like absurdist and ridiculous. Like every single shot of like everyone searching for the Wonka bars was just them going so out of the way to like, oh, yeah, planes being stocked up with thousands of Wonka bars. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a worldwide extravaganza. It's like everyone's got to know about the Wonka bars. <laughs> When asked his thoughts on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Gene Wilder stated that he enjoyed Johnny Depp's performance as Willy Wonka, but disliked the film as a whole as he was not a fan of Tim Burton as a director and said he was genuinely insulted when his films were remade, despite that Tim Burton uh, film being an adaptation of a book and not a remake. I find his opinion agreeable. <laughs> did you watch Charlie and the Shop? I did. It was... Nah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the same year as the film's release, Aubrey Woods, who played Bill, the sweet shop owner, appeared as the controller in the Doctor Who serial Day of the Daleks. Pretty interesting. Day of the Daleks. Oh, yeah, Doctor Who. <laughs> when interviewed for the 30th anniversary special edition, Gene Wilder stated that he enjoyed working with most of the child actors and actresses, but said that he, had, he and the crew... Had some problems with Paris Theman claiming that he was a handful. So Mike TV was actually a pistol. Boom, boom. Son of a gun. Uh, he was also the youngest child actor in the movie when he because he was only eleven. 
Yeah. It took Gene Wilder two weeks training with two stuntmen to get the Wonka flip right. The first one, this one, where you have a Oh, wow. That's yeah. the only one he does, ain't it? I wouldn't be surprised if there was more. You could tell me there was more, and I believe you. <laughs> Did you watch the movie, Kyle? Yes. I'm not Terrence. <laughs> wow. Boom, boom. We'll miss you, Terrence. <laughs> All right. Uh, the shrinking room is no optical illusion. The room starts out 8 feet, 2.4 meters high, and tapers to 4 feet, 1.2 meters. Uh, depending on who you ask, Michael Bolner fell into that river somewhere between 6 and 40 times. Oh, my gosh. That sounds miserable. Ah, oh, and getting out covered in chocolate. Oh, God. You can't even shower enough to get that all away. Ah, oh, gosh. That's miserable. No. No. Jim, the, I wouldn't do it. The Oompa Loompas were known for hard partying offset, even traveling in a limo together to bars. Which kind of makes me think back to the Wizard of Oz with the Munchkins. I just, I, Kyle, Munchkins or Oompa Loompas, who you take it in a fight? Oh, uh, from Wizard of Oz? Uh, you know, Oompa Loompas are blue collar, man. They, they'll mess you up. Um, Munchkins, they're like spoiled rich guys. So yeah, I think Strength in numbers, baby. Yeah, Munchkins, no, 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 no. Beat up the Munchkins any day of the week. Oompa Loompas, though, they will mess you up. One Oompa Loompa can mess you up easily. Yeah. No, no problem at all. They will, they will, like, they will throw. There's those. only ten of them. There's like a thousand Munchkins. It's, yeah, I mean, you, you just you just pick up one Munchkin and you use that Munchkin to beat up the other Munchkins. Uh, but Oompa they got the, though. They will throw themselves at you and you're dead. Just, just immediately. throw themselves at you. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. A real mink coat was made especially for Julie Don Cole's character of Ruka Salt. Cole once left accidentally left the coat behind at the studio canteen and it was soon returned to her. All right. Gene Wilder's costume sold for almost seventy-four thousand dollars in two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve is I'm, such I'm, a what's, weird what's year the, for uh, it. What's the inflation on that, Kyle? Inflation would probably be like half more, so probably be about maybe one hundred ten thousand today, maybe around that. That would be something cool to quick have. guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, I gosh, would love yeah. to have that. I wonder how well it's been maintained, or if it like still looks great today or not. Yeah. I'd have it in like a glass case. Oh yeah, yeah, a whole tight. like yeah, a whole mannequin oh, yeah. suit. Okay, that too. Have it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it's a, it's uh, museum worthy. In the scene where they had to lick the wallpaper, they were forced to actually lick real wallpaper. Uh, they said it was pretty gross. Yeah, yeah. As I expect wallpaper would be pretty gross. Wallpaper isn't known for its flavor. Yeah. Uh, in the novel, the Grandpa like Joe is said to be how old? Do you know how old he's supposed to be in the novel? Two million years old. I have no idea. Close. Ninety-six and a half years old. Oh my gosh! He should do the next Indiana Jones film. <laughs> wow. <laughs> In 2014, this movie was added to the National Film Registry by the United States Library of Congress, which, kudos, it's a great film to add to that. Yep. The Wonka bars in the movie were props made from wood and covered with wrappers. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. If you look closely during the Candyman music sequence, Bill, the candy shop owner, accidentally hits a girl in the face when he opens up the counter. Just right this, in the chin. This right. may have been purely accidental and unscripted, but this has led to speculation by fans of the movie that the character is not a nice character because... He willingly throws candy at the rich kids who come into the store and doesn't demand payment. When Charlie comes into the shop for candy and immediately begins to eat, Bill uh, presses for payment, and he lectures Charlie about eating too fast. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Kyle? No, I think the candy man's perfectly fine. The candy store guy is perfectly fine. He's cool. And hitting the girl with the chin, I just like imagine that girl somehow. Oh, I, said, like, I was like... Oh, wow. Like, like, yeah, but like that little girl is related to the stormtrooper from the first episode of Star Wars where he bumps his head out of the way. It's the same family. I believe that wholeheartedly. That's canon to me. That's canon. Yeah. Uh, this was shot over a period of only six weeks. When Gene Wilder died in 2016, man, that hurt. But Peter Ostrom changed his social media profile to 
former child actor, veterinarian, inherited a chocolate factory on uh, August 29, 2016. Aww. That's so sad That's and touching. Yeah. The image of Willy Wonka leaning on the everlasting gobstopper machine with his hand on his head has gone on to become a popular meme focusing on condescending someone. <laughs> That's great. And Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, the actress playing the Oompa Loompas, said the makeup was extremely uncomfortable and the makeup man would be on set because the hot studio lights would melt their makeup off, causing oh. constant touch-ups. The layers of makeup would become hard for the actors to scrape off at the end of the day. Oh my gosh, that's so gross. I couldn't imagine. Couldn't imagine. Oh my god. Acting's a tough job. <laughs> uh, this is Marilyn Manson's favorite movie. Uh, this movie is actually referenced in some of his music. In fact, when the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory came out and it was announced, he wanted the part of Willy Wonka so badly that he actively campaigned for the role but lost out to Johnny Depp. Manson also covered Wondrous Boat Ride as Prelude, uh, the family trip, as the opening song on his album, Portrait of an American Family. That would have been a very weird movie if it was him instead of Johnny Depp. And it already is a very weird movie. It is so, really weird. Really. It's just like, Manson getting the idea? Um, yeah. Oh, gosh. Who was the actor? Um, it was... I have to look it up. He was the actor from Back to the Future Part 2. Uh, no, 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 Part, part 1. Um, uh, gosh, who played uh, Michael J. Fox's father in the film. What was his name? He was in, a, I think it was an epic movie or one of the other ones. And uh, he played uh, Willy Wonka in one of those parody movies. Like oh, the really? scary movies, yeah. Back to the Future film franchise. I gotta look up the cast real quick for it. I'll let you know. Um, Mr. Salt offers a one pound bonus to his workers for whomever finds a golden ticket. And 1971 US dollars, that's $2.50, as we stated earlier. Later, an auction for a case of Wonka bars goes up to 5,000 pounds in 1971, or equal to $12,222 uh, in 1971. Yeah. Ah, it was Crispin Glover. That's who it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was, I forget the name of the movie, but I remember he played Willy Wonka incredibly well in a parody movie. And I forgot the name of the parody movie, though. Um, what was it? It was... Willy Epic Wonka. movie in 2007. And he played Willy Wonka. And he did an incredible job. I think he would have done better than Johnny Depp in the role, actually. Because uh, Chris McGlover has that strange mannerisms that actually fit Willy Wonka quite well. Johnny Depp, Depp can do anything, pretty much. Except act. Oh. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> not a Johnny Depp fan. Really? No, really not. No? I can't think of a single movie that I really like of him. Pirates of the Caribbean? No. What about... Um... <laughs> Man. You're going to quiz me on this and keep going saying no, 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 well, no. No, I know there's one. Ed Wood. No. Um, Ed Wood's probably his best, but no, I don't really care. What about, about um, or Ed Wood for that matter? Nightmare on Elm Street. He was, oh yeah, he wasn't that. Um, uh-huh. I he's, caught him. He's, he's not bad I caught him. He doesn't, he doesn't detract from the movie, but he doesn't add anything to it. <laughs> what was that, um, what was that movie he was in, um, Sleepy Hollow? Was he Sleepy Hollow? Uh, I think you think when Edward Scissorhands. That's right. No, was it Sleepy Hollow or was it the one where he had, um, or was it the one about Jack the Ripper? He was was in the, one I think it was the one about Jack the Ripper. That was good, too. I don't care what you said. Sleepy think. Hollow, that was a different actor. Uh, Leonard Maltin gave this movie two and a half stars, saying, Movie has all the ingredients of a classic, but cruel edge talents uh, taints enjoyment. Cruel Ed challenge? What do you say? No. Uh, it says, he said, movie has all the ingredients of a classic, but Cruel Edge taints enjoyment. Cruel Edge taints enjoyment. Oh. Uh, I think 
the cruel edge has been blunted over the past, you know, 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Grandpa Joe was supposedly bedridden for 20 years, but suddenly regains his mobility when he has to accompany Charlie to Wonka's factory. A number of sources suggested that Grandpa was simply faking his disability. Yeah, if he was getting the, if he's getting the social security checks, who cares? Kyle stay in bed all day too. <laughs> uh, Violet Beauregard repeatedly mentions her best friend Cornelia Prinzmetal. <laughs> Cornelia is a Nazi character from the when she's chewing the gum. She's like, "Hey, see this piece of gum? I've been chewing it for like thirty days straight. It'd be, I even beat my my fr- good friend Cornelia's record. Hi, Cornelia. Dear. She's hilarious. always talking trash to her. I love yeah. it." Gotta be better than everyone. It's great. Violet or Veruca, Kyle? Violet, uh, Veruca. I think Veruca. I think her spoiled little brat energy is so much more hilarious to me. Endearing. Um, uh, not that there's anything wrong with Violet. She's cool, too. But, just you know, not as interesting to me. Uh, the film repeatedly references the vermicious nids. Okay? This is what I want you to take away from this. Without ever depicting them. Here you go, Kyle. Imagine this. They are predatory aliens from Roald Dahl's works, and they are the main villains of the novel Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. They supposedly originate in the fictional planet Verm- Vermes, located outside the solar system. What? Yeah. Charlie and the Glass Elevator was going to be an alien invasion film? That's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. You're saying Charlie and the Glass Elevator was going to be a, 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 that makes no sense. They were going to, they were going to, I guess they were going to, the antag- uh, protagonist or whatever were going to be the uh, Vernacious Nids. So if you ever watch the movie and they start talking about the Vernacious Nids, it's actually an alien species that is a protagonist or whatever I in the next film w- or book. Yeah, I got to read the book now. I think I that sounds amazing. I, you know, that needs to happen in another film series for real. Like like Fast and Furious, like the next Fast 11. Aliens invaded. It's just got to be the thing. Aliens yeah. take over the chocolate <laughs> factory. Only hope is family. Only hope is family. <laughs> <laughs> they picked the wrong elevator. <laughs> the wrong elevator. <laughs> it's, just this, it's just the last scenes of Alien 1 with Charlie just running you know, around. You know how it is. Charlie tricks him and gets them all locked in the elevator, right? Yeah. And it, you see him, and he says, "Going up." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. but laughs> it's like the scene of the Superman villains getting caught in yeah, the, the, the screen. Like, no. Yeah. And then like, he lodges them in the air. You know, he gets up there, and he's like, "Kaboom!" And it blows <laughs> up. <laughs> Blood uh, and viscera everywhere. Uh, <laughs> Rains down on. It's hilarious. Just the uh, most terrible movie later. It's like a Vietnam film. It's oh. alien invasion class elevator. Uh, Charlie's a stone cold killer. <laughs> uh, the other four Wonka kids represent some sort of seven deadly sins. Augustus is gluttony. Yeah. Veruca is greed. Violet is pride because she wants to be the center of attention and better than her classmates. Uh, and she even slate, states that pub, uh, even states publicly. And Mike TV is sloth. A discrim- uh, dis- dis- inclination to labor or simply laziness. His life is in the front of the television set. Remembers. Ah. In the novel, the relationship between Willy Wonka and the Oompa Loompas is morally ambiguous. He helped transport them away from their inhospitable native lands and offered them jobs and a place to stay. But he mentions that he pays them in cocoa beans rather than money. Which, I can't wait for that movie to come out because I think we're going to see a lot more about that, how they came together. Yeah. Uh, and with the Wonka movie coming out later Hopefully they try and find a way to frame it in a right that doesn't just look like slavery. Let's see how it goes. Well. Yeah. I don't you know pay, if you can make that right or not. You paint cocoa know. beans. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the candy that is first seen in the factory is actually balloons inflated <laughs> to resemble candy or styrofoam props painted. 
If one looks closely when Violet is about to eat the giant gummy bear, you can see that she doesn't actually bite down on the candy, and neither does Mr. Beauregard when he unrolls the fruit rope and bites down in the middle. Hmm. There are many instances in between takes where the child actors would apologize to each other for being so mean. I, hope, I really hope that's not true because that just makes me not like Veruca anymore because she was just so mean. I think she should have kept stayed in character. Oh, yeah, the whole time. She's been mean the entire time. It was hilarious. This film right here was what made then six-year-old Simon, Selma Hayek want to become an actor. Oh, wow. Yes. So we have that to blame. And last but not least... <laughs> The transportation in the factory gets progressively smaller and more as more and more children are eliminated. This has led some viewers to suspect that Wonka purposely allowed four of the five children to get hurt so he could have one remaining child with them to be made his heir. And Kyle, before uh, we go to our thoughts and everything, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, Willy Wonka is a serial killer? Is Willy Wonka a serial killer? No, I don't think he's a serial killer. Um, I think he's a reclusive billionaire who, who you know, so who likes little kids. Um, I'm sorry. Like, I, he's I, Batman. I, he was in the black book on the Epstein Island. He's, he's Batman. <laughs> he's, he's a Batman villain. He's a Batman. No. He, think about it. A recluse billionaire. No, 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 no. Robin. <laughs> I rest my... You got it. Case got closed. It. <laughs> Chocolate Crusader. Oh. <laughs> Wait, that does not... No. Robin, <laughs> can you reach my... Candy utility belt. <laughs> Candy utility belt. <laughs> He's the gunshot bombs. You know, just yeah. yeah, all these candy thing gadgets. No, but I mean, if you, if you if you notice, um, the children seem to disappear in a fashion that makes you think that they're not getting out. But he does stay, state that they're mm-hmm. not going to be harmed, except for uh, Veruca, I think, when... They fall down there, and, they, and Charlie asks where it goes, and then they said, "Oh, that goes to the incinerator." And she's like, "Oh, they're going to be killed. They'll be burned alive." He's like, uh, "No." Nah. He's like, "They only do it on like Tuesdays and Thursdays or whatever." You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's clearly part of the plan to get rid of those kids he didn't like, and actually just end up with Charlie and see if he passed his morality tests that were arbitrary. Which, by the way, like the whole thing of like Charlie's morality test is like, "Oh yeah, don't don't." Take something from a billionaire. <laughs> you deserve it to be poor, and you should leave and not take anything from a billionaire. It's the exact opposite of Robin Hood of take from the rich and give to the needy. It's like, no, no, you be needy forever. Let me be a rich businessman forever. All eternity. You deserve nothing because I'm rude, and you should listen to everything I say. And he's like, this is the kid that shouldn't hear my factory. Look, you are a terrible person. I like that big contract at the beginning that they had to yeah. sign. It goes real small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Willie, Willie's message there to Charlie at the end is like, wait, what's wrong with you? <laughs> of so, course that kid should take your everlasting gobstopper. You don't deserve it. You're you're rude. <laughs> yeah. So Kyle, what's your thoughts, feelings, ratings on? This is an absolute classic. I think this is an 8 out of 10 for me. Uh, maybe a 7 out of 10 if I'm being more cruel. But I think I'm going to keep it at 8. Um, this film is uh, is Gene Wilder's definitive role, I think. He plays the role with such a, of a jovial kind of madness to it that's so um, captivating every scene he's in, and as well, uh, all the children actors are really doing a great job there of playing their roles uh, so well, and that they're both annoying but also endearing in a way that makes them like you know kids. You know the imperfectness of that. You know they're either, like too good or way too bad. All these kids are just like, oh, you're all kind of like 
idiots. It's fun. So I really appreciate that too. As well as Jack Albertson in his role of Grandpa Joe um, does an excellent job there, and his musical performances are great. The songs are incredibly endearing and hilarious, and I enjoy them all to death, and also the props and everything like that too. And even the Oompa Loompa songs are really endearing as well. So I, I really appreciate everything about this film. It's a classic, what we've seen. Every time I see it, I like it a little bit more. So it's I think it's a fantastic film. So that's my overall thoughts. Jimbo, what do you think about Well, Blanca? Gene Wilder's obviously one of my favorite actors. He's mm. one of the ones, if I could sit down and have a, a dinner with three people, it's got to be him, Jimmy Stewart, and probably Elvis Presley, I would say. Um, I like the music in it. I like the undertone of uh, you think Slugworth is actually somehow going to you know, yeah. get the information that he wants when it's actually just Wonka's assistant. He said he wanted to make sure that I found somebody to leave my heir to, which I want to, that's another thing I hope they explore in the new movie coming out is making Slugworth a bad guy. Well, and making no, him no, no, no. Story well not just that, but uh, did Wonka ever marry? Is he a loner? Does he have any love? Does he have anything in his Can, life? Is he yeah. capable of love? Yeah. Uh, did he fall, have some wild uh, Oompa Loompa yeah. romance or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you said that out loud, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I'm does just he saying, fall did in he, love did, with that's the Oompa Loompa? Did he fall in love with the Oompa Loompa and something happened, you know. Yeah. Uh, something yeah. like that. Does he need to protect the Oompa Loompas from Slugworth? Something like right. that, too. You know, right. Is that why he's going to hiding? Because he has to protect him from Slugworth. I think yeah. all the child actors... Did a great job. Um, some better than others. I, you know, you. It said in the book that the book that Grandpa was supposed to be what ninety six and a half. Ninety six and a half. Which How are really, you even going to walk around? Yeah, know, exactly. You know, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. Walking around I don't know if I like the whole. Hey, I laid in bed for twenty years. All of a sudden, I jump up because I got to go. There and are dig so it. many super weird aspects about this film yeah. that I don't get really knowledge, or even that like the overall moral message too. Like like the idea of Slugworth offering Charlie ten thousand dollars, and it's like, oh gee, Charlie, what's your predicament? Should I go take a tour of a taco factory and and take an after life? You know, and it's like, or should I get ten thousand dollars to give my family a home? Give your family a home is right. the moral option in that right. scenario. It's wrong of Charlie to say no. Of course, Charlie should take that deal. But he's got but, nothing else going in his life. But now his family has a house like he Wonka yeah. told him you can bring your whole family into this yeah. chocolate factory yeah. you know so yeah. that's pretty good yeah. Yeah. I like I like the set design the props uh, it was really good mm-hmm. um, for me it's probably an eight and a half uh, out of ten um, the songs are good except Cheer Up Charlie I didn't really care for that one the Oompa Loompas are great um, all the child actors I like how they all had their different attitudes and everything um, great, great film. Yeah, the great effects film. And the must watch. Are amazing. Yeah, must, oh, yeah, must, must watch. watch. This is a this is a film. This is a film for film fans. Yes. <laughs> so, Kyle, um, if you want to follow us on the Facebook social media platforms, yeah, we are the Tragedy Cinema Podcast. Um, if you want to leave us a review, I'll make sure Kyle reads it on there. Good or bad, I'll read it here. Well, good, bad, or dirty. I want good though. I want good. I want good. I want great or dirty. Yeah, I'm actually, I probably won't. Oh, dirty. No. dirty would probably be inappropate. This is your dirty five star. Dirty, dirty five stars. <laughs> so absolutely filthy. Um, I'm not going to say what we're doing next time because I'm not really sure yet. Yeah, things are a little bit because in the because air like, we, right we've now. recorded these out of order and everything. So um, I got to sit down and get all these in order and get our thoughts and feelings together. So. Uh, well, until next time, with that being said, I think this episode is coming to close, and that's a wrap. And cut.